All right, it is Sunday, April 5th, 2020. Thank you for listening to The Popular Vote with Melissa and James. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm great. I mean, same old, same old, still in a stay-at-home stay, stay order, and uh, still don't have a lot of exciting updates for you, but I'm doing okay. How are you? You know, okay is, this has been a very okay time in my life. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm I'm blessed to have a roof over my head, food in my refrigerator, but let's be honest, there's not much more than that going on, you know? Yeah. Uh, now, uh, before we go any further into this episode, I know that you wanted an opportunity to um, correct the record. You know, like when um, one of the View co-hosts, you know, steps in it, you know, the, the next day they have to come on and like apologize or explain their comments. So I wanted to give you that opportunity about something that was said the last episode. Yeah. Thank you, James. Um, yeah. What I want to say is I just want to issue an apology to Dean White's family. Um, I am so sorry for your loss. I was not aware that Dean White had passed in 2006, 2016. 2016. 2016. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. He, he's passed, uh, you know, quite a few years ago. And I made a comment in the last episode that he had really kind of gone quiet and I wanted him to be featured on James's idea for the Real Housewives of Lake County, Indiana. And yeah, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that he had passed. He, you know, was truly an icon of Northwest Indiana, and um, I, I really miss that news. But this is – I want to take the time now to just say that he was, um, you know, a great upstanding citizen of Crown Point, Indiana, and um, to his family, I'm just really sorry for your loss. All right. And and I, you know, in the same vein as apologizing for something I've said, um, I know that I used a word – I'm just going to spell it out, D-Y-K-E – um, on the last podcast, I corrected myself, but I just want to say again, like I probably shouldn't have used that word and, you know, I should have stuck to, you know, Lebanese or Lebasian or lesbian, you know, um, or lady lover, but not, you know, the D word. I, I apologize. I know that that's offensive for some people. Some people it's like, you know, whatever, but, um, so anyways, I know that we both wanted to issue those. Um, we wanted to correct the record, <laughs> right? Correct. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes. It's okay. Absolutely. Um, and speaking speaking of mistakes, pretty much everything I watched this week was a mistake. So what are <laughs> what, what are you tuning into? What are you watching these days, Melissa? This past week. Um, well, I've been watching Ninety Day Fiance. Oh, so good. And there's a new season of Before the 90 Days uh, that's out. I think they're on episode six, maybe. And I have just gotten so infatuated with the show. For those that haven't seen it, I would describe it as. Like TLC has really turned international sex trafficking into a reality show. And the show features the most uh, awful people the, and, and at the same time the most innocent people um, and really gives them a platform to showcase, um, yeah, just some interesting behavior. So if you need a really good trashy TV show, right, like if you if you just watch Tiger King and you were like, where else can I watch – crazy people, truly human trash. I highly recommend 90 Day Fiancé. Who, I love 90 Day Fiancé as well. And I will tell you, I don't know, is he on this current season, Big Ed? Yes. Big Ed yes. is, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to use the I word, icon, um, <laughs> putting mayonnaise in his hair and just being absolutely ridiculous. My favorite couple of all time though is uh, Danielle and Muhammad Jabali. Um, oh my Star-crossed gosh. lovers. 
one of them from Tunisia, the other from really a foreign country, Sandusky, Ohio. I mean, really, <laughs> I mean, just bringing it. So do you have any favorite couples this season? Uh, this season, I do really like Big Ed and his girlfriend, who I believe is from the Philippines, mm-hmm. um, just because it's it's a fascinating dynamic to watch. Uh, they're probably my favorite. Yeah, because yeah, he it's he's like towing the line between like being a very nice, caring, nurturing person or just being a huge sex creep. I don't know which it is, <laughs> um, but I, I enjoy watching their story unfold. Oh my gosh, so good. I uh yeah, no, 90 Day Fiance is is absolutely ridiculous. Um I I will be honest, I I'm a big YouTuber. And when I say YouTuber, I need to clarify as far as what I'm watching on YouTube. You know, a lot of people will watch like, you know, um like the big YouTube stars. I don't watch them. Like I'm not <laughs> talking about James Charles. I'm not talking about the beauty community, Jacqueline Hill. Like I know who those people are, but I don't really watch them. I really don't. Um, I'll sometimes watch a reaction channel, you know what I mean, if I think it's funny. But yeah. But what I'm watching are totally random, like random deep dives. So I decided to not only travel back in time, but I'm just going to say it, travel to a different political universe. And I watched Al Gore's speech to the 1996 Democratic National Convention in Chicago this past week. It's about 25 minutes. So, I mean, I had it, you know, I... Uh, I was working in my office and I had it on his background and I have to say it was one and I took notes. And so I want to go over my notes because it was one of the most, you would never hear this speech today. First of all, it started off with a lot of like Al Gore self-deprecating humor, which I was here for. I'm not like an Al Gore stand by any means, but there was some good self-deprecating humor. So I guess earlier in the week they had done a whole convention floor Macarena, um, like oh my and, gosh, which which if you haven't seen the video, you need you need to get on YouTube and search '96 DNC Macarena. Like just do it. We posted about it on Instagram. Um, yeah. you need to see that. And so he makes some comment. He goes, "I'm going." He starts off with, "I'm going to give you the Al Gore version of the Macarena," and then he just like stands there and doesn't do anything for three seconds. He was like, "I hope you enjoyed it." Like, <laughs> like incredibly stupid. Um, and then he goes. He said. He said. He says something to the effect of, um, you know, normally the vice president speaks on, I think, like Wednesday night of the convention or some some night he goes, but they've moved me to Tuesday night because they wanted Mr. Excitement. So a lot of like obviously being self-deprecating because mm-hmm. there's nothing I mean, there's nothing exciting about Al Gore. So started off with some self-deprecating humor and then quickly pivoted to. So a week or two prior, the Republican convention in San Diego had gone on and Bob Dole was the nominee. Well, Bob Dole had attacked Bob Dole or his wife had attacked Hillary Clinton um, in the speech because Hillary Clinton had written a book in the first term called It Takes a Village to Raise a Child, meaning you need a whole community, you need teachers, you need, you know, pastors, you need hospitals, all that stuff to raise a child, whatever. So, and they said, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a village. It takes two wonderful loving parents or something. It was some statement to that effect being like, we don't need a whole like community to raise a child. Anyways, it was really stupid. But so Bob Dole, who was a um, World War II vet, disabled since World War II, is is an American war hero. And it starts off, Al Gore goes, we want to thank Senator Bob Dole for his service. We salute his service. He is a war hero. I mean, goes on about how great Bob Dole is. The Republican nominee, his opponent, goes on. And the whole crowd is clapping. Then he, he, he pivots in the speech later. But it's like, would you, could you imagine, Melissa, like Donald Trump, or Joe Biden starting off with like saluting the Republican opponent today or Democratic opponent? That would absolutely never happen. Yeah. Never. And it seemed genuine. I will say that. It seemed it seemed genuine. And, you know, because, I mean, I feel like 
But can you, I mean, can you imagine that? I just, it was bizarre. No, no and I'm, I'm thinking of uh, one of Trump's recent press conferences where somebody said, hey, Joe Biden just attacked you on Twitter. And Trump goes, no, he didn't. He didn't write that. He has no clue what's even going on. He didn't insult me. His staff did. <laughs> it's quite a stark contrast. Yeah. And this wasn't, this was, you know, look, this was not even 25 years ago. You know what I mean? Think yeah. about it. If you do, it's what, 24 years ago, give or take. I mean, just bizarre. Now, and then the speech pivots to like the meat and potatoes, you know, then he goes on and attacks Bob Dole for a variety of things, like not supporting Medicare and shit. But then, then he talks about like the hallmark achievements of the first term of, of, of Clinton and Gore and talks about, he goes, he goes, we just worked out a deal with um, the, the the major uh, networks that they are committed to providing three hours of premium family-friendly content a week. What? <laughs> like, who cares? And then he talks about how, and he goes, he goes, and we now have the V-chip. Do you remember the V-chip? No, I don't. So the V-chip, girl, let me take you down memory lane, okay? Get it, get in the car. We're about to go. <laughs> so the V chip was, you know how like there used to be, I don't know if there still are like TV ratings, like yeah, they're like TV like Y7 and MA and all that stuff. You could program your TV so that if TV MA showed up, like it would black out the screen. Oh, I see. That I was see. the V chip, like high tech. You know what I mean? Because like, because if like X Files was usually, I'm sure like MA mature audio. You know what I mean? Or like certain ratings, you could you could basically say. We don't want this rating, this rating. And so like my brother, of course, we used the V-chip in my family to like screw with each other. So my older brother would would turn the TV in the basement so that, you know, I could only watch like, you know, like Nick Jr. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like stuff. And I was like, you know, like 12, you know, or whatever. But then pivots and talks about literally the, the bulk of his speech is about taking on big tobacco. I can't even fathom that being a talking point in, mm -hmm. in any capacity yeah. nowadays. It's bizarre. I mean, I would love to go back to the 90s where the, the pressing concerns are the V-chip and taking on big tobacco. Now, I will say this. You know, I can remember – do you remember all the commercials on MTV about like big tobacco back in the day? Yes. So yes. it was it was an issue. But the only issue that is kind of comparable on taking on big tobacco today or like texting – is like texting and driving. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, it's like one of those common sense, like safety issues, but it was all about like taking on big tobacco and all this stuff. Um, and it was just, it was just this weird anachronism. And then he talked about not free college, but giving every, giving every American a tax credit to go to college of drum roll, please a thousand dollars a year. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, girl, that's barely like books for a year. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, inflation but still that's not a lot of money so it's just interesting it was inter it was an interesting little like it wasn't just time travel though i swear it was like a different political galaxy so anyways i just had to share that if you get a chance listen to the speech it's it's 25 minutes so even if it's like even if it's bad it's 25 minutes but that's the kind of shit i watch on youtube you know what i mean but you watched um yeah. speaking about another galaxy and another planet what about another news station <laughs> yeah so this week i watched bombshell uh, which is a movie that came out last year starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie, plus a bunch of other amazing, awesome people. Um, and here's my little mini review. Overall, it was a good movie. I'd give it 7 out of 10 stars. Um, the makeup was amazing. They totally transformed Charlize Theron into Megyn Kelly. Um, and oh, just to take a step back, this is the movie about Fox News and the sexual harassment 
uh, lawsuit that was filed against Roger Ailes, who ran Fox News at the time. So the the, the makeup was amazing. Um, Nicole Kidman or Nicole Kidman looked a lot like Gretchen. Um, what was her last uh, name? Carlson. Gretchen Carlson and most of the the anchors on Fox News made an appearance in some capacity, and they all all of the characters, all of the actors that played all these anchors looked exactly like the anchors. There was this guy that played Bill O'Reilly, who I later looked at his IMDb page, didn't really look anything like Bill O'Reilly, but in that scene, it was it was spot on. Um, so I thought that was really awesome, um, and overall, I think it was a, a stylish entertaining movie. However, you know, after watching it, I thought, you know, this, this is an interesting movie, right? It's an interesting movie because it, it really celebrates women for standing up to an oppressive power structure. But I felt the movie was a little dishonest in not acknowledging their role in supporting that oppressive power structure right? These were women that had primetime TV shows on Fox News where they themselves peddled racism and classism and homophobia on a daily basis, right? And so after the movie, I just thought like, you know, I I don't know if I should be a huge fan of Megyn Kelly after I watch this movie. And that's, that's really how I was feeling, right? I feel like I should leave that movie really asking some questions around, you know, how much are they um, complicit or at fault? Or really, g- given given what that network was like, was this truly the only way for them to get ahead? And, you know, they, they did what they needed to do, right? So overall, I give the movie a 7 out of 10, but it left me with, with some interesting Feelings. thoughts about. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I also really enjoyed some of the subtleties of the movie. So they, Sean Hannity had a little uh, cameo, not the real Sean Hannity, obviously. And he had maybe one line and the scene they were in this big newsroom with a bunch of the other anchors, your girl, Janine Pirro, uh, was also <laughs> present That's in Janine that scene. Pirro. <laughs> um but they they portrayed Sean Hannity. Not only did the guy look exactly like Sean Hannity, but the the subtle touch that I enjoyed was they had the character um, with a gun in a holster, like on his uh, like o- like overalls. I don't know what kind of holster that's called, but I just love that that attention to detail. That of course Sean Hannity would be carrying a gun during a workday in a newsroom. In a newsroom in in Manhattan. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I I enjoyed Bombshell. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. Um, I saw it a couple months ago. Um, I wish I could say more profound things like you did, Melissa, because that was really <laughs> fantastic. Um, I just thought it was great. I loved Kate McKinnon playing the lesbian. Yes, she's yes. great. I just I remember like, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a really good point though about like what role. I mean, because it's you don't want to, and, and this is just me maybe speaking out as a as a male observer. Like I don't want to blame the women. Like I don't I don't want to blame them. But at the same time, they reaped a lot of benefits yeah. within that power structure for so long. Um, and it it's like you know because think about it. The initial complaint was lodged um, when Gretchen had her was bumped to her own show and it wasn't doing well and she got a bad time slot and then she mm-hmm. like was like oh I'm going to come forward with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Eh. I feel you there. I'm I'm with you, sister. 
Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, but overall I do recommend everybody watch it. It was it was a enjoyable 90 minutes or however long it was. Um and if you do watch it, let me know your thoughts on it because um I, I just think the way that they portrayed those women was a little too what's the word I'm looking for? Victim not victimy, but uh were you like too empathetically? Yes. I yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of um, things that have gone on too long, like Fox News, um, let's talk about the Democratic primary. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing transition. <laughs> you know, we're, we're working on those, you know, we, we know that some of them have been a little rough, but we're working on them. So this week, we actually have a Democratic primary that is supposed to be kind of a hot mess express. Wisconsin is going forward and they're still going to hold their Democratic presidential, well, I think Democratic and Republican primary um, contest uh, this Tuesday. Polls show that Joe Biden's got a huge lead, but also like no one really knows what's going to happen with turnout because we are, I'm just going to remind everyone in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Um, the governor, who's a Democratic governor, um, Tony Evers had tried to call a special session to like push it back at the last minute. And the Republican like supermajorities came in to the House and Senate and because the governor called the special session and they immediately gaveled in and gaveled out. They were like, nope, we're doing it. I I don't really know. I don't know the full context about Wisconsin's day politics. So I'm not going to try to like give you analysis, but I don't know. It seems crazy. I mean, and, 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 and Bernie Sanders won this contest resoundingly against Hillary Clinton uh, four years ago, but apparently polls show Joe Biden with like a huge lead. So I, I don't really know. Yeah, I you know I don't know who I blame here. Quite frankly, I don't know if I blame the uh, Republicans in Wisconsin or if I blame the DNC because, quite frankly, this should have been uh, a nationwide response a long time ago to either push back some of these elections or make them mail in uh, like absentee votes um, because it doesn't take a genius to figure out that it's going to be really difficult to vote in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I, somebody should have thought of this a lot sooner than a couple days or a week before a primary, quite frankly. And apparently the National Guard is working the polls, the Wisconsin oh. National Guard. That's what I heard. Now, don't quote me because I know I don't want to correct the record next week, but allegedly, apparently, like, because think about all those. I mean, anytime you go to the poll, there's like, you know, three grandmas and somebody's like somebody's like geriatric uncle that's working there. So, like, they can't have those people there. Because they'll die. I mean, yeah. just being honest. But yeah. uh, so I, I don't know. But after this week, there's not any more contests for quite a most states. Most states, my own state, Indiana, has moved everything to June 2nd. June 2nd's like the last primary day. And I've already mailed in my ballot. So I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, but most states, June 2nd is like the final. I don't know if I'd call it Super Tuesday Part 3 or just like Final Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know what the Republican strategy is here. I don't know either. Because really, whatever they decide here in the primary, um, they will likely have to follow for the general, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're saying you still have to hold the election, you can't push it back, I I like to think that they're not going to say that come November, right, Mm -hmm. if coronavirus is still a huge issue. Mm -hmm. Same thing with mail-in voting, right? They're very against mail-in voting now. So come the general, are – like, are they going to switch positions on that? So I'm just really trying to figure out the strategy because, you know, for the GOP, most of their voters are older, right? And yeah. they they are probably way less likely to go to um, a polling station if coronavirus is still a big deal in November, mm-hmm. less likely than young people who don't vote to begin with, quite, quite right. frankly. And I've heard that, believe it or not, 
even though Democrats generally are supportive of mail-in voting, believe it or not, I've heard that mail-in voting can be more helpful to Republicans because think about it. If you're poor and you're transient and you're moving around, mail-in voting, you have to fill out a form, send it in, get the ballot back, fill it out, mail it in. I mean, it's a process. So it's, and you have to be, you know, you have to have like a house or an apartment or an address. You know what I mean? You have, you can't just be like, you know, couch surfing. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I do think it's weird, though. And, you know, what's funny is Trump uh, at one of his news conferences this week went on a tirade against mail-in voting and said, like, you need you need to show up. Otherwise, there's going to be fraud, you know, all the usual Republican boogeymen. But said all this. And of course, how is he vote? How, how does he uh, how did he vote in the Florida Republican primary? Mail-in ballot. <laughs> so, girl, we see you. So ridiculous. So anyway, so we'll see what happens. We'll we'll probably talk about the Wisconsin state results next week um, and what it means for the the primary. No one cares because no one's tuning into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not going to change the trajectory of the race, in my opinion. So, um, but you know what? You know what is exciting and fun to talk about? What the veep stakes? The veep <laughs> stakes. Who's going to be on the ticket with Joe Biden? Perhaps, maybe, 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 maybe Bernie. But let's just. For the sake of things, go with Joe Biden. But either way, it's going to be a woman. It is. He did make that announcement. Mm-hmm. So we have come up with a list of our top three, top three candidates that we think um, would be good, that would be good or plausible or whatever our rationale is. We've each come up with a list of three candidates. We may have some overlap. Who knows? You know, because um, yeah. we have not disclosed our list to each other. Do you want right to alternate? Now. You do one, and then yeah. I do one. Do it yeah. that way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll go with my I'll go with my top choice first. Okay, let's hear it. So I'm just gonna come out and say it. I think that you need to fight. Like, so here's the thing. So here's why I'm picking what I am. One, uh, Jim Clyburn, who is in the House Democratic Party leadership, Jim Clyburn, who's the majority whip. So it goes Speaker Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, who's majority leader, and then the whip, who's Jim Clyburn. He's like the third in command. He has pushed aggressively, even before Joe Biden had said that he wanted a woman to be on the ticket, he has pushed aggressively for a black woman. So all three of my choices are black women because I really want a black woman on the ticket. And I think it would be good for um, black voter turnout. And I also think that black women are such a um, reliable voting block. I think that it would be great to have one of them represented on the ticket. So to me, I'm just, I'm, I'm picking my, I think you need a star to beat a star. So you know what? I'm just going to, I'm unapologetic about this decision. Oprah Winfrey. Oh what my are gosh. your thoughts? Um, everyone loves Oprah. Everyone loves Oprah. Love her. I have no idea what her political beliefs are, but she's likable. She's likable. And she is, she is a media phenomenon and she so- is, and she knows the media very well much better than Joe Biden, and I would say on par and better than Donald Trump. She understands media and messaging. I agree with that. I so agree I, with that. And it's like, it's the vice president. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and here's the thing. Oprah is a actual self-made billionaire mm-hmm. because Trump is not self-made in my opinion. His dad, he he wrote his dad's coattails. He's not, a, he's not self-made. But Oprah Winfrey is self-made, period. Also, yeah. you know, you get, you know... 
1992, you know, Bill was campaigning for the president, Bill, and he said, you know, two for the price of one, you get me and Hillary, you know? Well, you get two, you get three for the price of one. You get Oprah, Stedman, and Gail. Okay, so <laughs> you get three for the price of one. So you get, you know, a lot in there. I think it would be a great ticket. And I think Oprah, to me, I think that she would be, she would bring an electric excitement to the ticket. Yes. And I yeah. think that that's sorely lacking right now with the top of the ticket. Yes. So that's, that's why I went with Oprah for my top dog. But I think how- that's a really interesting pick. Huh. Okay. Okay. So your turn. Um, okay. So my top pick is, is a little out of left field, but she's still in politics. And my top pick is Sally Yates. Oh. And let me, let me explain this. Okay. So Sally Yates, uh, that name might sound familiar to everybody. She was deputy attorney general under Obama's administration, and then she was acting yeah. attorney general. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then Trump fired her uh, 10 days after she became acting uh, for insubordination because she instructed the Justice Department not to make any um, arguments defending his executive order to, um, you know. Is this the Muslim ban? Yes, the Muslim ban. Yes. So uh, I I think she would be a great pick because she's very smart, right? Uh, she has been in politics, um, but more importantly, she has a feud with Trump, and she doesn't. I mean, at this point, she doesn't talk about it. But I would just love to have somebody on the ticket that Trump has fired before. Uh, you know, Biden's big thing is you know I can beat Trump, and I'd love to for somebody to be on his ticket to be like, you know, together we can beat Trump. I've already stood up to Trump. I Trump fired me for uh, you know me being passionate about what I believe in, and me being passionate about the rule um, of law. The rule of law, right? Um, I think that it would bring some drama to this election because, you know, Trump probably has a seething hatred for somebody like Sally Yates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just love to see that unfold. Oh, that would be good. And and he, let's be real, Trump, if you notice when he attacks like people in the media, he really goes after women. Mm-hmm. He really, mm-hmm. he always goes after women harder than he does men. He really hates smart, smart, articulate women. That's like... He hates that. Yeah. I, I'm just envisioning a press conference that Biden holds where he's like, you know, I'm announcing my VP. It's Sally Yates. And then Sally Yates gets up to the microphone and she's like, I'm back, bitch. And then <laughs> <laughs> Trump, you can't get rid of me. That's that's my dream. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. So I, I'm going to go with – did you have anything else? I don't want to – No. No, I think that that's I think that's a very interesting pick. Um, and I've I've heard her name floated around, so that's okay. I've heard other people. So who knows? You never you never know. I'm gonna go with my my second choice now, and this is a very much a dark horse, but um, I think that this actually could be a very interesting pick. So she is basically a political unknown. I don't know. She might be a this person might be a Republican. Um, I really don't know. Um, but um, retired Navy Admiral Michelle Howard. She you probably never heard of her, or have you? She is a, she was the vice chief of naval operations, which I think is the second highest. When she retired, she was the second highest, um, like Navy officer. She was the first, she was the highest ranking when she was appointed a four-star general. She was the highest ranking African-American and woman in U.S. Naval history. Wow. A ton of integrity. 
Great speaker. I heard her um, speak to, uh, I think it was like the American Legion, not in person on YouTube. It was on one of my other YouTube. <laughs> I, I, I could call it a YouTube hole, but I'll call it a YouTube K hole. You know, you just keep going down this like <laughs> wacky hole. But um, great speaker, great sense of humor, um, has won an NAACP Image Award according to her Wikipedia page. Wow. We love an award winner. Um, but I really think she was very articulate, very competent, military leader. And so I think that she, to me, I think that that could add some pizzazz to the ticket. She's not only a diversity pick, she is incredibly competent, articulate, military vet, served for, I think, almost 40 years um, before retiring. And I, I personally, I think that she would be, she would be someone who I don't know, I don't know how they would go after her. Right. She was, she was in charge of the counter piracy task or she had something to do with that the week of captain, like. Captain Phillips, the, you know, the Tommy, yeah. the Tommy Hanks movie, <laughs> Captain Phillips, <laughs> she was, she was the admiral for that area of operations and counter piracy. Like, and she started that job, like the week or month of like Captain Phillips. Oh, okay. So she has a lot of like, like her story is very crazy, like in a good way. Um, very inspiring. So I think she could be like a good inspirational, like appeal to the best of Americans and like kind of picking like a non-political figure. Um, to try to be like, look, I really am serious about like bringing the country together. And I'm, I want to bring in the best of like our military leaders, the best of our like just leadership in general. I, I think she'd be like an out of the box pick, but I think she could be really fun. But I, I don't know if she's even a Democrat, so I don't know. Right. I, I think that's a really interesting pick. I've never heard of her, but she sounds like an amazing woman. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I really like that pick. Um, my next pick is uh, Val Demings who's a woman, African-American woman. She's a congresswoman from the great state of Florida, which I think is important. Um, I think that because she's from Florida, she could maybe help wrangle some votes there, but who knows. Uh, and she has an interesting past. So she used to be police chief in Orlando, Florida, which I, I, I don't know how, but I just think that that's an interesting background for her. And I think that that might um, you know, garner her some appeal with a lot of different voters. Um, but you'll you'll notice a theme with my picks here and that they bring a little drama to the election. So Nancy Pelosi also appointed Val Demings to be impeachment manager during mm. all of those hearings, right? So this this kind of goes the same way as Sally Yates, where this person has a little bit of history with Donald Trump, right? A little bit of conflict, a little bit of friction. We love to see it. <laughs> so I think she might be an interesting choice, um, you know, mostly for the Florida stuff uh, and uh, just being police chief. But I think that impeachment manager, I, I think that that could maybe rally some votes because here's somebody who has actively tried to bring down Trump. Um, so she's she's my second pick. She's a great pick. And she actually like if we had a list of five, she would definitely be in my list because I think okay. it, and I hope that she's on Joe Biden's like actual like actual shortlist. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm -hmm. um, because I mean, I'll be honest, my first two picks, Oprah and a retired Admiral, you know, I don't know if they're on his list. You know, <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening, um, Joe, like by all means, like vet all of our candidates that we're selecting, <laughs> that we're discussing today. But um, so no, that's, that's an, that's an excellent second pick. Now I'm, I'm going to give you my third pick and I hope I didn't steal it from you, but I'm going to go with America's favorite cool aunt, Senator, California Senator Kamala Harris. <laughs> okay. Okay. You did not steal it from me. She, I feel like she is America's favorite cool aunt. I mean, I think that she has a former like 
former prosecutor, which I know people say is problematic. Okay. But I just think she's really fun. And I love, did you watch any of her like ridiculous YouTube videos when she was running for the Democratic nomination? I did not. There's one where like she bakes cookies in somebody's house. That's ridiculous. There's another (laughs) one where she like says, and I didn't know about this video. And then my friend Thomas, it was like, oh my God, this video is ridiculous. You have to watch it. And it is funny because basically she comes outside of the school and she goes, oh my God. And she sees her big campaign bus that says Kamala on the side. She goes, I love my bus. And she's just like gushing, gushing over her bus. It's so ridiculous. She's like, I love my bus. I don't know why, but that's so funny when you hear her say it. Um, (laughs) But incredibly, I thought she did a really good job during the Kavanaugh hearings. Mm, Yes. She was taking Brett Kavanaugh. She was saying, basically she was trying to imply that Brett Kavanaugh at one point Um, had talked to some Republican-leaning law firm in the D.C. area about stuff that he probably shouldn't have and that that information somehow got back to her. And so she kept saying, like, did you talk to anyone at this firm? And he was like, I talk to people all the time. But but she basically was implying that he did something wrong and that she knew about it, and it was amazing. I have no idea if she was, like, just, like, you know, had, like, you know, crap and she had, like, you know, a great poker face in her hand. But she was doing – she was doing phenomenal things. Yeah, that that hearing and her performance in that hearing inspired inspired me so much. Her quote to Brett Kavanaugh when she said, be sure in your answer, I can't tell you how many times I used that in work meetings, right, where I've asked some questions and I knew the person was lying and so I asked it again a slightly different way and then I followed it up with, be sure in your answer. It was, yeah, I, oh. I, I really like Kamala – here are my thoughts on Kamala, unless you have anything else to add. No, no, about, okay. I, I will say the only other thing uh, I, I lied is apparently she has ties to Herbalife, which I think is a little shady. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Someone told me she has ties to Herbalife, which, I mean, that's something that they'll need to vet. So if you're listening, Joe, make sure you vet out her ties to Herbalife. All right, now go ahead, Melissa. Sorry. I, I actually think Kamala is probably the front runner for VP. And I I think it's for a few reasons. She agrees with Biden on the vast majority of his policy uh, platform, right? And I think for someone like Biden, he really wants to ensure that whoever his VP is, is in close alignment with him should something happen to him, uh, quite frankly, right? So there's a lot of alignment there. And also she has gone silent since she dropped out of the election, right? She endorsed Biden and we haven't really heard from her. And I think the reason for that is, is she's probably getting a, you know, charisma makeover by the Democratic pros, right? Mm. So I think that there's maybe a little transformation there. Um, and I, I actually think she's probably at the top of his list. I, I, I agree with you. I think she probably is for a variety of reasons because she, uh, yeah, I, I very eloquent, very well-spoken, agrees with on everything. But I want to hear what's your final final pick? My final pick is Susan Rice, who was the national security advisor from 2013 to 2017. And again, with the drama, I, um, you know, she's a very competent, very smart person. um, And she has ties to Benghazi, Mm. which I think could be bad, but I think it could also be good, right? Because she and Biden can spin it as you, you guys just need to like, Stop obsessing over Hillary Clinton. Why are you so obsessed with her? We've exhausted every single kind of investigation over Benghazi. You tore apart Hillary Clinton for Benghazi, and now you're coming after Susan Rice. Just, like, let it go, you know? So I think it could it could go bad or it could go good. Um, but it, still, it'd bring a little bit of 
Zastin uh, drama to the election. Yeah, I, so, I agree. And do you think that her, if she is picked, let's talk about this. If Susan Rice is the the nominee at the convention when she walks out on stage, do you think they'll play Let It Go from Frozen? Yes. <laughs> that would be, I would love nothing more than Adina Menzel, also known as Adele Dezim, thanks to Don Travolta, on the side of the stage singing, let it go, let it go. And then she's just like walking out on stage. I would love I would love to see that. And then also if there could be like a snow feature too. Just all of that. Uh, I would I also just want to talk about Elizabeth Warren. Oh. Because a lot she's not on my list. Uh a lot of people though feel like she might get VP. And I, I just want to talk about her. I will share my thoughts and then I'm eager to get your thoughts. Okay. I think Warren would potentially be an interesting pick because she's very progressive and Biden isn't right? Uh, And millennials are obsessed with her and millennials do not care about Joe Biden. So I think it would be an interesting ticket, right? Two very different people, but maybe they'd bring in a lot of votes and kind of bridge the gap between kind of centrist liberals and progressives. However, I don't think Warren is going to get VP and I don't even think she will get a cabinet position because I think her political instincts are complete trash. Everything she has done since she has dropped out of uh, the race um, has just been I, – I don't understand it. Even before she, before she dropped out of the race, she should have dropped out way earlier, but instead she stayed in just so she can embarrass herself by losing her home state, right? And then, and then she dropped out and didn't endorse anybody. And, the, and she should have endorsed somebody, and the person she should have endorsed – was Bernie because he was the only other progressive in the race, but she wouldn't do it. And um, and then she launched War and Democrats, which I don't really know what that's supposed to Did be. Did she? Because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I, I I was on all of her mailing lists. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I was on every candidate's mailing list, just just to set the record straight on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she launched like Warren Democrats, which I, I think the only goal of that was to further split the progressive vote. And if Warren really cared about progressive policies, why would she want to split that vote? You know, and why wouldn't she want to empower Bernie? So anyway, I I I hope she doesn't get VP. Uh, I hope she doesn't get a cabinet position. I, I think Warren is useful to the Democrats. And actually, I'd love to see her as like majority leader. Maybe, mm. maybe. But I, I I don't think she'll get VP and I hope she doesn't. Yeah, I, I think I think the VP choice will tell us what Joe Biden, how Joe Biden thinks he will win the election. Meaning mm-hmm. if he picks like if he's picking Warren, he is worried about like young voter and shoring up the Bernie Sanders crowd. Yeah. Like and the progress like he's worried about the left flank of the party. But if he picks like Kamala Harris, I think he's then I think Kamala a Kamala Harris pick or a Val Demings pick, and this is just maybe just strategically looking at, you know, putting a, a black woman on the ticket. I think he's more worried then about black turnout. Yeah. In the fall. So I think I think that I think it, what who he picks will tell us more about how he thinks he can win. Yeah, and, gov- and govern and govern. But I think mm-hmm. I think it'll tell us more about how he thinks he reaches, you know, 270 electoral votes and builds the coalition that he needs. But yeah, I think I, I love all of your picks. Sally Yates is, I think, fantastic. <laughs> so, well, when do you think he's going to announce? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. It'll be it'll probably be after it'll probably be after June. 
But mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll probably be in mid-June because he's – you know, when you roll that out, you have to do it you, – well, you, you know media and stuff and PR and stuff. You, you want to roll it out when it's going to be most advantageous to you. So yeah. it'll want to be once the coronavirus is starting to kind of wind down. So probably I would think because the convention's not until August, but he will probably want to announce late June, early July if the coronavirus goes well, which it's not. But um, <laughs> you know who knows. So, um, but all of those all of those people are legendary in their own right. But yes. I would like to talk about your specific legend for the week. Okay, so my legend of the week is Chelsea Clinton. And I, I, like her mother, I don't know, there's some kind of renaissance happening in the overall Clinton family, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Chelsea Clinton's tweets lately have been amazing. Same thing with her mother, Hillary, but I specifically want to call out Chelsea because she's, she's a little bit more, um, not mean, but she's, she's pretty good at the clapbacks. So a couple weeks ago, uh, she responded to somebody's tweet about Hillary Clinton sending pizza to healthcare workers in New York. And, you know, I, I really appreciated that she kind of made fun of Pizzagate, which is this crazy conspiracy theory that, like, the Clintons are running some kind of pedophile ring out of a pizza joint. I, in, I don't... in the greater D.C. area, correct? Yeah. Called Comet so... Ping Pong Pizza, I think. <laughs> I, I honestly think that's the name of the place. But anyway, sorry, I, I'm hijacking your story. I, I just love that Chelsea acknowledged it and put it in a tweet and made fun of it, right? Like it takes some – to me, it takes some guts to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, the other day, she was tweeting about how, you know, she she's a very educated person. She has a master's in public health, right? And that even she is not uh, qualified to lead a response team for coronavirus. And she was specifically picking on Jared Cr- Kushner, who somehow has this responsibility, right? And I I loved it because she's not afraid of going after people and calling people out and making fun of her family a little bit. Um, And, you know, Jared Kushner, I know he's a really easy target, but I still really appreciated that Chelsea went after him. So she's my legend of the week. I'm glad too, because I think Jared Kushner is a terrible human being and I'm not going to go into it. That's a deep dive on another day. So, (laughs) you know, I think he's a terrible human being, but I, I am just consistently impressed with his resilience, um, humiliation after humiliation to keep finding more ways to be humiliated, quite frankly. (laughs) Bizarre. Um, No, I think that's a great choice. So my legend of the week and really theme of the week has been going down YouTube holes. And I just want to say my legend of the week is it's not so much a person. It's not so much a YouTube video. It's a state of mind, honey. Okay. And this is the Larry King live interview from 2006 with Paris Hilton that I was posting all about it on Instagram. Do you remember that? Did you see it, Melissa? Yeah, I I saw, I watched, I watched the whole thing. Um, truly one of the most bizarre interviews you could ever watch. It was 2006 or 2007, but either way it was, I mean, remember when every day in the news was Paris Hilton like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh God. So great. And the whole interview talking about how after she gets out of prison, he's like, well, what was the food like? You know, what was it like being in prison? We heard you were, you know, ill with something. What was it? And she claimed her illness was claustrophobia. Girl, (laughs) that is not like, 
he made it sound like she had a grave illness, like, you know, like a really bad case of the flu or, you know, like COVID-19 before we knew what COVID-19 was, you know, bronchitis, whatever. No, she had claustrophobia and that's why she got early release from the prison. Like, girl. And like the whole interview is ridiculous. Her talking about like, well, this is what they serve for breakfast and this is what they serve for lunch. It's hilarious. So if you get a chance after you've watched the Al Gore thing, or you know what, have dessert first. Watch the Paris Hilton Larry King live interview first and then go watch <laughs> Al Gore's speech. So that's my legend of the week, that YouTube video specifically. It's like broken up into three parts. It's 15 minutes that you won't get back, but you won't want back. So <laughs> and without further ado, who is your, you know, uh great big loser this week? Uh, my loser this week is Courtney Kardashian. Now, I watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I watched that show even before quarantine, okay? And mm -hmm. really, anything you could say about the Kardashians, good or bad, I probably agree with, okay? Um, but I've been watching the new season of the of the show, and in one of the last episodes, Kim kind of beats the shit out of Courtney, <laughs> and quite frankly, Courtney deserved it. Um, she's just the most insufferable person who says that she's like constantly busy, but she truly doesn't do anything. Um, and she says, she's like, oh, I'm with the kids. I'm really busy right now. But then she's like never actually with her kids. So I, I think that show has really given her a bad edit, which is a fascinating decision by Kris Jenner. Um, but she's still my loser of the week. I will still watch her on the show, but yeah, she's just a very insufferable person. Ugh. I've seen the little the little clips of her getting the shit kicked out of her. And yeah. that's kind of funny, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it, it is. It looked funny. Um yeah. although I don't I don't encourage violence. I want to be very clear about that. Um I'm not I'm not supporting <laughs> violence. My loser of the week is all of these church pastors that are still holding church services. Ugh. And it's I saw one video of the CNN anchor standing, not anchor, but CNN correspondent standing like outside of a parking lot of a church interviewing people like in cars as they were like driving after service. And they're like, he was like, ah, oh, why are you here? And one lady over and over and over again says like, I'm not worried about the coronavirus. I'm covered in the blood of Christ. Like keep saying that over <laughs> and over and over again as if she's like, and I keep imagining her being like, you know, Carrie from, you know, Carrie. Um, and I'm like, oh my God. So anyways, so it's like these people, and like one of them was on CNN, one of the pastors from Baton Rouge. And he was saying like, well, you know, we send the buses out to people and then the buses pick up the, the people and they come here and we fill their soul and their bellies because we give them food too and all this stuff. And I'm like, those people are sitting in close contact buses, then are going and sitting in close contact church pews. Like, girl, stop. And the anchor finally says to him, he goes, you know, if you're like, do you consider yourself pro-life? Because like what you're doing is clearly spreading, like clearly has the capabilities of spreading a virus that is going to cause illness, pain, and probably death to some of your, you know, parishioners. I, bizarre. So if you get a chance to watch any of the interviews with the like church pastors and churchgoers and people who are still going to church, like those people are nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and, and okay. let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. I I am I am personally not religious, but I have great respect for religion. But I think anyone anyone going to public gatherings like church services when all public gatherings have been shut down because that's what state, federal, local officials are telling you not to do, you should just listen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, it's not a religious freedom thing for me because it doesn't. It's not. Think about it, is it really? Is it just religions that are shut? That are churches that are shut down? It's everything. So. You know, I don't know. Anyways, that's my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, I agree um, with you. 
All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show. Melissa, this was great. We, You know what? We went a little long today, but I think we had a good time. Yeah, I had a great time. We had a lot of good content to talk about. Uh, pre- premium. This was a premium content episode. But we have one other big announcement before we sign off, mm-hmm. and that is if anybody has any questions, any requests, uh, any comments, we set up a request hotline. So I'm going to give you the number. You can call this number any time of day. It goes straight to voicemail. So you will not be talking to me or James, right? Leave us a leave us a message, right, about anything you want. Uh, and then we'll include it maybe in our next episode. So get out your pen and paper. The phone number is 413-422-0005. Okay. Oh, my God. Love it. Yeah. So leave us a message. Leave us a question. Maybe we'll do like a like a ask ask uh, ask Melissa and James uh, instead of an ask. What was her name? Ask ask um, ask Amy. Ask Amy. Ask Amy. Ask Amy. No, is it oh, wasn't that a column? Oh, dear, ask Amy. Was that there was one like that was like there was like a dear ask Alice. Dear ask ask Alice. That was ask, the one that yes. was like that was like I got my period the first time. Like what do I do? Like that kind of stuff. Yes. Oh, yes. Perfect. No, please and and don't. Be afraid to use your regular voice, but also if you need to use the unsolved mysteries like voice, you know, um, <laughs> transformer, you know, where it like makes you speak in your fourth register. Like if you need to do that, like that's fine. That's fine too. If you want to make it totally anonymous. So um, with that, it's been a phenomenal week episode, and cannot wait to uh, sync up next week for our next episode, Melissa. Um, I'll just say bye to everyone. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. Catch you next week. All right, bye.